We left off, uh, we kind of did last time that we met, and, and thank you, Brother Don, for sitting in for me last week. Um, we had to uh, handle the memorial service for my brother-in-law, and that was uh, an interesting time. So uh, we're back today, and uh, last time we met, we kind of did a recap of what we covered uh, in the first uh, sitting when we were in Acts, and so we had worked our way up to chapter 2, and so now we can... Uh, go kind of from there and and go on and we'll look at um, the first several verses here but uh, by way of introduction let's just read through and then we'll uh, kind of come back um, and recap the first four verses but in verse one it says and when the day of uh, Pentecost was fully come they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each one of them. And there were all, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak other tongues. Now, uh, tongues, let's just be very frank with what this is. They were speaking in other languages. We don't use the word tongues often when we're talking about languages and I think it takes on a life of its own as you start talking about speaking in tongues well would it would it make a difference if we just said speaking in languages rather than speaking in tongues I think this becomes a, a very mythical thing in our times today where um, in certain churches not our church I don't think anyone here um, speaks in tongues right everyone's pretty much English bound. Here. <laughs> uh, but it takes on this idea like it's something other than what they were doing. They were just speaking in other languages. And so uh, we'll emphasize that as we go through. Uh, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so uh, you see an amazing event that took place and something that you can't just say, uh, you, you can't deny the significance of what happened on this day. And you can't deny that it came from nowhere but God. And there's going to be proofs that you see all throughout the text, even up to the point where Peter preaches a, a, a somewhat of a sermon to tell them what was occurring and happening on this day. And so we'll get into that, uh, but let's bow in a word of prayer and we'll get started. Father, we're grateful uh, for this day and grateful that you did send your Holy Spirit. And uh, we look way back to this event that happened many years ago, and we're still feeling the ramifications of it today as we're able to uh, have our lives impacted by the Holy Spirit's leading and by uh, him leading us into those works that you desire for us to do. And by that, we're able to show forth the glory that resides inside of us because of your son, Jesus Christ. Uh, we're grateful for this, and we pray that as we continue uh, to go through this study in Acts, we would have a better understanding for where the foundation of the things we have uh, today were built. And we'd be grateful for that. In your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, and so first we want to look at the idea here of the day of Pentecost. And this is not uh, something, there are certain churches that do celebrate a lot of these things that we're uh, Jewish holidays and whatnot, but we, we have not made it a habit of celebrating the day of Pentecost here. I don't know if the pastor would want to do that in the future. Is that that's something you want to get into? <laughs> uh, 
Uh, he says no. So <laughs> we won't be celebrating the day of Pentecost. But as you look at this celebration, uh, the Jews, uh, it's a celebration of the Passover and what the Lord did uh, on the Passover. Uh, and so as you look at it, the Jews were instructed to paint blood over the doors uh, in Egypt as a result of the 10th plague. And if they did that, what happened? That angel of death passed over their house. And those that didn't have that blood painted over the door, what happened? Their oldest son was, was taken. And so uh, this is in comm commemoration of that. Uh, as you look at it, it signifies the need for uh, the sacrifice of the lamb. Go, go over with me to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. And a lot of these things that you uh, see in the Old Testament were pointing to something else. And uh, as you look at the book of Hebrews and what does it say or what has it been said that the theme of that book is we have something better. Uh, it was always pointing to some better thing that was coming in the future. Uh, and you see this here. But in First Corinthians chapter uh, five and verse seven. Uh, pick it up in verse 6. He says, Your glorifying is not good. Know ye not, a little leaven leavens a whole lump. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as you uh, are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed on behalf of us. So we don't need to celebrate the day of Pentecost or the Passover. We have a Passover in the form of Jesus Christ. And he was, his blood was sacrificed on behalf of us that we can have life, right? And so we don't have to worry about him passing over uh, or the angel of death passing over um, and, and saving our oldest son. We have uh, Christ that was sacrificed on behalf of us and is seen as our Passover. And we have life as a result of him. Uh, and so you can continue to read on through that context. And in verse eight, it says, therefore, let us not uh, let us keep the feast, uh, not the old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but of unleavened bread, uh, sincerity and truth. And so um, he goes on from there. Now, as you look at the day of Pentecost, uh, it was indicative of a time frame. And so it's not uh, when he says when the day of Pentecost had fully come. We look at that and just say, oh, the day's here. No, there's a whole 50 day period as you go back from where it starts to the day of Pentecost that this all covers. And so when he says it's fully come, it had come to the actual day, the day of Pentecost. And so it was it, the day is uh, come uh, uh, or covered. It shouldn't say come there. Uh, 50 days after the anniversary of Pass the Passover event in Egypt. And the day was fully come, specifying uh, the actual day uh, rather than the 50 days leading up to it. Now, the significance, uh, the 50 days uh, from the commemorating of the Passover event uh, and the disciples had celebrated the previous Passover with the Lord. And so as you look back um, just uh, uh, back into the past there, this had happened where they had celebrated these things with the Lord. And now they're celebrating it together. And you have the verses there um, that's indicative of them celebrating the Passover. Now, uh, the they that they're talking about as we go back to Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. It says that they were all together and in one accord. 
Uh, and so you look at not just the 12. Uh, if we went back into the context, you see that there were many others with these 12. And so it's the, uh, I like to call them the 11 plus 1, because <laughs> do we really know as we talked about that Matthias is a, a disciple from the Lord? This is something they kind of decided to do. But he would have been numbered among them. Uh, and so you have uh, the 11 that were with the Lord, and then you have Matthias, uh, and then you have some others. Now, the, uh, typically, uh, the 12 are mentioned, and so you see the 12 are mentioned as well as others with them as you go back into Luke chapter 24 and verse 33. And so we just want to look at a few of these occurrences to see who were with these 12. It wasn't always just them, and we think of... Uh, when we look at it, we think of just the 12 as they're uh, discussing these disciples. But a lot of times there were others uh, that were with them. And we're going to see in this particular occurrence that on the day of Pentecost, it wasn't just the 12. There were others that were with them there uh, in the room uh, when the Holy Spirit came. Uh, and just pick it up in verse 33. And it says, and they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the 11 gathered together and them uh, that were with them. And so you see, there were obviously more people. They're not named, but there were others that were with the 11. And uh, having mentioned there, uh, um, Judas not being named with the, the disciples. And if you go over to John uh, chapter 20 and verse 19, we see the disciples are said to be meeting together when the Lord appeared to them uh, and the door was locked. And it wasn't just the 12 or 11 that we're spoken of here. And pick it up uh, right there in verse 19. It says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, uh, where the disciples were, where the disciples, excuse me, were assembled uh, for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace is unto you. And when they uh, had, when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands uh, and his side. Uh, then the disciples were glad. Um, and I don't think this is the right verse. Huh. Well, you see the more of the just the general disciples there mentioned, and it doesn't specifically say um, who were gathered with them again. Uh, but as you go back over to Acts and in Acts chapter 13, we see more of the ones that were likely to have been here uh, when this Acts, uh, when this occurred, the coming of the Holy Spirit. And remember, this is immediately following the ascension of the Lord and the angels telling them, uh, why are you sitting here uh, gazing into the heavens? Uh, the same Jesus will return in like manner in which uh, you have seen him go. But in verse 12, it says, Then return they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is uh, from Jerusalem a Sabbath day journey. And when they were come uh, in, they went up into the upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and uh, Thomas, Barth and excuse me, Bartholomew and Matthew uh, and James, the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And so you see there were others that were mentioned with them. 
Uh, and in those days, uh, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, uh, the number of names together were about what? 120. And so you see uh, certain ones that were called out, but there were others that were with them there. And certainly uh, we can't prove it from, from Scripture, but as you see here, uh, these would have likely been the ones that were there on the day of Pentecost. And so it wasn't just a gathering of a few people that were there that saw this event take place. There was quite a few people. And so as you come to uh, uh, verse 1 of chapter 2, and it says, When they, and, uh, and when the day of full Pentecost was fully come, they were all uh, with one accord in one place. And so I would uh, take that to mean these uh, same people were there, including Matthias uh, and the others. And so you have the 12 uh, minus, minus Judas uh, plus Matthias, and then you have uh, what's mentioned as these other women, uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Jesus' brothers, and then uh, it all numbers up to around 120. Uh, and uh, as we look at this phrase, we're all together in one accord. Uh, again, we could just skip through and read some of these words, but as you take the meaning of, of what, some of these things that are said, it adds to the richness of what's going on here and the character of what happened during this wonder, wonderful event. And so all together uh, means that they were all upon the basis of the same thing. Their reason for gathering was to be together for the same purpose. Now, as we gather uh, for church, hopefully we're of the same mind that we're here to learn the word of God, to fellowship with one another, and to be edified, right? And we're all of that same mind. Now, some of us, uh, sometime we might come to church and we might be a little carnal. <laughs> we might not be connected to our position in Christ, and so maybe we're not of the same accord, right? Uh, and, but hopefully most of the time when we're coming together here, we're of the same accord. And, and you see it um, after church as people are talking with one another and everybody's having a good time. We're all here for the same purpose. And hopefully that's to, to share with one another and to enrich each other's lives uh, ultimately. And so you see this here with, with these, this group that they were gathered together upon the occasion of the same purpose. Uh, and so this phrase expresses unity and purpose for their, their gathering. Uh, we see this uh, a similar phrase used in a couple of other places. I'm not going to look at all of these. Um, I didn't give you guys a page seven, did I? <laughs> Uh, you see it used in uh, back in Acts. We looked at it in verse 14 of uh, chapter 1, where it says that they were all in one accord. And so if it's emphasized that close together, it must be important, right, that they were of the same mind. Uh, but remember that name and uh, number of uh, people that were mentioned there before. And then in verse 14, it says these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus, and with the brethren. And so uh, as they were praying and communicating uh, together, they were all in one accord. They were on the same page. They were up, up on the basis of the same thing. Uh, then over in Acts chapter 2 and verse 44, we see this phrase used to describe the church's unification after the day of Pentecost. 
And so this is not a, just a particular word, but a, a phrase that, that symbolizes this uh, attitude that they were gathered together with. Pick this one up in verse 44, and we'll get here after a while, but uh, this is kind of a preview. And it says here, Then they uh, that gladly received his word. And remember, this is after Peter had uh, done his sermon to kind of explain what had happened when the Holy Spirit had come. And he's talking to these people to clarify what's happening. A great opportunity to present the gospel, and some received it. And the uh, same day, there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And, and really, there that uh, word for souls is our word for souls, but looks at the word uh, kind of as individuals rather than uh, the seed of your emotions. In verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs uh, were done by the apostles. This is not the... Oh, 44, sorry. Uh, and all, uh, all that believed were together and had all things in common. And so this word for together actually expresses this phrase, that they were upon the basis of the same thing. They were in the same frame of mind. Uh, and you see it uh, um, uh, kind of demonstrated in the fact that they were uh, doing the same things. They were willing to live in this communal society. Now, uh, some, some might say, we should do that, right? <laughs> we should gather everything up. You guys should give up all your money and, and we can go and live in a, a commune somewhere. And I think you guys say, no, that's, that's not what we should do. Uh, but you see a lot of people pointing to this as the basis for how believers should be conducting themselves today. And what we're going to get to as we work our way through the book of Acts is this was necessary for the beginnings of the church and to lay the foundation for what we have today. You didn't have a clear understanding of how the Holy Spirit was working individual, individually in people's lives. And you see that play out as this book goes forward. Look no further than chapter 5, right? What did Ananias and Sapphira do? They kind of rebelled against that, that uh, construct that was set up and not just rebelled against it, but they kind of made themselves to look like they were doing something that they weren't. And they didn't understand that in doing that, they were lying uh, against the Holy Spirit. And so you see, over the course of this book, one of the biggest themes that plays out is not just the coming of the Holy Spirit, but how the Holy Spirit was to be utilized in the daily lives of each believer. And that had to uh, kind of develop over the course of time. And I think that's the reason for this communal idea. Even as you see throughout the book of Acts, it started to dissipate. As the gospel started to go out to other parts and other places, there wasn't as much of a communal idea. This was to help get the gospel out and uh, get it to other people. Uh, over in Acts chapter 3 and verse 1, we see that it was used to describe the unity of Peter and John as they prayed. In Acts chapter 3 and verse 1, this idea that they were upon the basis of the same thing. Now, Peter and John went up uh, together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And so remember, they go on and, and heal this man. But uh, in, in this context, these two are up on the basis of the same idea and purpose and what they're doing. They're unified in their purpose and how they're acting together. Uh, then over in chapter 4 and verse 26, we see it used 
and an Old Testament citation of how the rulers on earth reacted in unison with their uh, reaction to the Lord. And so um, they were all together and on the basis of the same thing with what they did to the Lord. We won't go to that one. Uh, we could see over in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 5 that it's used to describe the unity of the husband and wife in a relationship with one another. And so you should be of the same mind and upon the basis of the same thing as you're making decisions as a husband and wife. Uh, we see over in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 20 that it's used to describe the unity of the believers partaking in communion. And so as we're uh, uh, partaking in uh, communion with one another, what's our focus? It should be the same focus. It shouldn't be that I'm coming to the communion table and I've got this idea in mind and you have this one and, and maybe they have that one. No, it's, it's a common thinking that this bread is uh, symptomatic uh, uh, of uh, us being a part of one loaf and that blood being what brings us together there. Uh, then over in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 23, we see it used to describe the gathering of the church for uh, normal meetings. So the church is there gathering together, and hopefully, like I said, we are, we're of the same mind, and we're unified in how we're looking at things. And so this idea of being upon the basis of the same thing uh, is really emphasized uh, here in Acts 2.1. And so as we go back there, you see this is how their minds were uh, when the Holy Spirit came. And not only that, he goes even further to explain the unity that they were participating in by saying that they were in one uh, with one accord. And so he says they were all upon the basis of the same thing and they were in uh, or with one accord. Uh, now, my footnote for that idea of one accord, and it comes from this word uh, having the idea of chiefly uh, derived from nouns designating form and structure, uh, we see it's to be of one mind and, and simply that of one accord here of the same way of thinking. And so not only were they gathered for the same purpose, but their thoughts and minds were in the same place uh, as well. Now, there's a couple places this is used uh, in Scripture. Of course, uh, we just went to Acts chapter one and verse 14 and you see it there. Uh, and then in Acts uh, 2.46, we see it used in the description of the temperament of the saints after the day of Pentecost. And then over in chapter 4 uh, is the description of the temperament of the apostles uh, as they faced persecution. Let's, let's go to that one real quick because uh, that's a very interesting one. Now, you would think as persecution comes or as adverse situations come, it would cause you to kind of not be in one accord, right? Everybody's trying to in survival mode and going their own way. And that's, humanly speaking, I think that's kind of how it happens, right? Adversity hits a group and then they all split up. <laughs> this person thinks we should do this, stand up and fight or something like that. This person says, I'm out of here, I'm running. Uh, you're, you're usually not of the same accord when you face adversity in human situations. But these were all in one accord uh, in the way that they were seeing things. Pick it up in uh, verse 23. It says, and being let go. And this is after Peter uh, and, and I believe John faced uh, what they faced there. It says chapter four and verse 24 of Acts. Oh, I'm sorry. I keep forgetting you guys don't have this page of notes. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just rolling along. <laughs> 
slow me down. I'll, I'll keep up with you guys. Um, and so in verse 23 of chapter four, it says, and being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they, they heard, uh, when they heard that they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, uh, which has made heaven and earth and, and the sea and all that is, uh, all in them is it's kind of a different way of saying that verse 25 uh, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things uh, and so you can go on from there but uh, this idea that after it had happened where were they, where were their minds they were of one accord and going in, into communication with God and I'd like to think the Holy Spirit had a, a great impact uh, in them seeing things this way uh, could have been that they said Boy, you guys face persecution. It's time for us to get the heck out of here and head up the road. Uh, but they didn't say that. They were of the same mind and, and uh, being grateful that God had delivered uh, the apostles out of this situation. Now back to chapter 2 and verse 2. And so we see the um, environment that was there for the Holy Spirit to come. And these were all together. These 120 or so people were in this one place. They were in one accord. They were on the same page. And then it happened. And so in verse two, it says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty and rushing, uh, excuse me, as a mighty rushing wind, uh, a rushing mighty wind. I can't get that together. Uh, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And so you see this. Uh, impactful sound. Now, I want you to pay attention and I, I kind of break this down upon the basis of everything that's happening according to their senses, because you can see that this is a very real experience for them. They hear, they see, and they feel all of these things happening to them. And so just as you and I are gathered in this room today, imagine a wind came blasting through that door. And all of these things that are, are, are going to follow here uh, happened. And so uh, just to break down verse two, we see the entry of the wind and the manner of entry. It came in suddenly. And so it will be as you and I are sitting here. And again, all of a sudden this happens out of nowhere uh, as they were gathered together. And so this word for suddenly gives the idea of the period of transition between two events that comes unexpectedly. And we can see it in, in many different places. Um, I'll just go to one just to give us an idea here. Go over with me to uh, Acts chapter 16 and verse 26. And you see Paul uh, here as this earthquake happened. It gives him the opportunity to be freed as he's in prison. And pick it up in verse 25. Acts chapter 16 and verse 25. <laughs> Got to make sure that I... I'm getting you guys to the right place. Uh, but in verse 25, it says, And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened. Uh, everyone's bands and everyone's bands were loosed. And so you see this uh, event happen, happening out of nowhere. 
they're sitting here singing and, and <coughs> hymnizing together uh, as this terrible, what humanly speaking would be terrible thing is happening to them. They've been falsely imprisoned. And what happens? All of a sudden an earthquake happens out of nowhere and their, their prison doors are loosed and they're uh, able, if they wanted to, to have walked out in that instance. And so it gives that idea of something uh, happening at an a interval, uh, interval that's uh, certainly unexpected. And so as we go back to chapter 2 and verse 2, we see this is how the Holy Spirit came. It was very unexpected. Now, I have you uh, in mind that they have been told that the Holy Spirit is going to come. Uh, but again, this is not, not something they're necessarily expecting uh, to happen in this moment. It'd be like us sitting here today and the, the rapture happened, right? <laughs> We're supposed to be waiting for the rapture. But I have a feeling that when it happens, no one's going to be prepared for that to have happened at that time. You get caught up in doing whatever it is you're doing. And then, boom, <laughs> it happens, and it's going to be suddenly for us as well, or it wouldn't be called the rapture. Uh, and so uh, we see this happens with the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, we also see that the place of entry, where did this rushing wind come from? It didn't come from underneath. It didn't come from the side. It says it came from heaven. And I believe here, as you look at it, uh, we know the origin of, of the Holy Spirit is he's resident in heaven as well. And he's coming down to earth. But from their perspective, he's coming from the first heaven, from the sky. And so you see this rushing wind uh, that comes through the door. Uh, and it comes in the form of a sound. Now, of course, we can't see the wind, right? But you can hear it and you can feel it. And I believe they heard it and felt it very well. And I'm going to show you why here in a second. Now, what was the manifestation of the entry? He's compared, and, and I... Uh, uh, use this word here compared and, and want you to be mindful of that because uh, we see these words like and often we uh, make them into is <laughs> that it was a rushing wind. It says that he was like or the coming was like a rushing wind. And so it was all that we can compare it to uh, from our human perspective. Uh, and so this word for as is a strong comparative to something. It's not our, our uh, word for our normal comparison. If you had host, it would just give the idea of something similar to. But this is a stronger comparison to something. And so there was something about a rushing wind or a strong wind uh, that is comparative to the way that the Holy Spirit came. Now, you could see this word uh, utilized um, uh, for comparison over in Acts chapter. And we're not going to go to these. I want to keep going through. But in Acts chapter 3, verse 17, where Peter understood the comparison between how the Jews were acting and how the rulers had acted before them. And so there was a strong comparison between those two things. And then as you look in Acts chapter 11 and verse 15, we see that Peter sees the comparison between uh, the Gentiles receiving the Holy Spirit and how they received him at Pentecost. Let's go to that one because it's very similar to, to what we're looking at here in Acts chapter 11. <coughs> In verse 15, and spinning off of this word host pair, which has, again, the idea of a strong comparison. It's not a definitive that this and this is the same thing, but it's a lot stronger than just saying that this is like something. And so it's very, very similar uh, to something else. Uh, pick it up in verse 11. It says, and behold, immediately there were three men already come unto the house 
where I was uh, sent from Caesarea unto me. And the spirit bade me to go with them, nothing doubting. Uh, moreover, these six brethren accompanied me and we entered into a man's house. And he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto him, <clears throat> send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall uh, tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon uh, them as it had on us at the beginning. And so uh, what beginning is he talking about? He's obviously pointing back uh, to the day of Pentecost. And verse 16, Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so uh, remember, <laughs> the Lord told them a lot of these things and they didn't make sense to them at the time. Uh, it's like um, uh, us when we're kids, right? Our parents tell us a lot of things that are pointing more to the future. And I'll give my parents some credit. There, a lot of times they told us stuff and I said, what, what are these guys talking about? This has no, no impact on my life right now. Uh, but as I become an adult and you see a lot of these things start to take place, you say, eh, maybe they knew something about what they were talking about when they told me these things. Right. And this is the same with the Lord. He told them a lot of things that they just didn't have a frame of reference for. And you and I look at it now having the whole of Scripture together and we can say, what were these guys thinking? He told them this over and over again. What, what was wrong with these guys? Uh, but they didn't have a frame of reference. But when these things happen, what happened? They looked back and they remembered the things that the Lord said, and it added enrichment to how they were able to understand those things in the moment. And so uh, you see that here. But this idea of, uh, of the comparison here in verse 15, uh, just as we had received them are, are very similar to the way that we had received them in the beginning. Uh, and so you see that idea there. And so going back to Acts chapter 2, as we're looking at this rushing wind, it's very, very similar to uh, the, the coming of the Holy Spirit was very similar to that of a, a rushing wind. Now, this idea of a rushing wind will break down a little bit as well. It's, it's a violent wind. And for, for my uh, translation here, uh, from the root word meaning something performed by strength found in nature. Now, we can uh, have a very similar uh, uh, reference to this if you go with me over to Acts chapter 27 and verse 41. And think back to Paul right prior to his shipwreck. And when we get over there, I'm going to have a little breakdown of this uh, storm that occurs here because uh, believe it or not, this storm that Paul was in occurs still in the Mediterranean Sea right to this day. And so this is a, a very known uh, event. So when Paul said you shouldn't have sailed out, he, it wasn't just from his knowledge of uh, that the Lord had told them that they shouldn't do this. It's also from his understanding of uh, that area and this storm that occurs. And they probably should have known it, too. Uh, but we see this here uh, and pick it up and... Um, Verse 40, it said, And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves unto the sea and loosed the rudder bands and hoisted up the mainsail to the wind and made, uh, made toward uh, shore. And falling into the place where the two seas met, 
they ran the ship aground, and uh, the fore part stuck fast and remained unmovable, but the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. And so here you see this word for violence used to describe how these waves were crashing. And you can look out on the Indian River, or if you guys have ever been on a cruise, I remember when we went on the cruise, uh, the Grace, uh, or the, excuse me, the uh, uh, Scotts cruise there a couple years ago, uh, those waves were unbelievable. I don't know if you remember that, Scott. They were like 20 feet high. And I, I don't normally get seasick, but here I couldn't control myself. I think I even took the uh, uh, little medicine you're supposed to take, and I still got pretty seasick that time. Uh, but you get the idea of waves that are not just coming in like we see them come in on the sand. Uh, these nice surf waves that people like to use, these are ones that are just crashing around uh, unbelievably. And so this is the idea of the violence uh, that's spoken of. So as you think about this wind, it wasn't just like you're walking outside and the wind is blowing. We're talking more like hurricane type winds that are coming in, but this being winds that are directed to a specific area. And so uh, not a wind, of course, this is the Holy Spirit. And so as we go back to Acts chapter 2, uh, the sound from heaven quickly manifested itself in the form uh, like a strong wind. And so uh, very, very comparatively speaking uh, uh, to a strong wind. Now, the wind uh, comes from the word of having uh, or this has the physical coming or manifestation of the Holy Spirit was felt in a, a similar manner uh, to how we feel wind uh, and being carried. Uh, this idea that the wind was uh, similar to one that is carried, meaning that the wind does not uh, cause itself to blow. And so uh, the Holy Spirit is the one that's directing uh, the rushing of this, this coming wind. You guys are already back in chapter 2. I didn't turn there myself. But as we get back to chapter 2 and verse 2, and we'll continue to move on and see that this is sensed uh, by the people as it filled the house where they were sitting. Now, this idea for the word for fill uh, comes from our word uh, plerao, and it has the idea of an outpouring of a substance into something designed to contain a certain maximum amount until it reaches capacity. Now, if you're looking at a cup or a bottle, we know the capacity for which that bottle's supposed to have, right? And when it's full of water, it's full. But when you drink that water, it's empty and needs to be filled again. This word plerao is the same word that's used for the filling of the Holy Spirit in his ministry that he does on behalf of us, right? And so what does the Holy Spirit do? If we're lacking in love, what does he do? He fills us so that we can love in the way that we're supposed to love, if we'll allow him to. Uh, 